Welcome to Fearless Mom. Today is our second week of a series that we just started called Ain't Nobody Got Time for That. Last week we talked about entitlement and how we want to raise a strong generation, a generation that does not have a sense of entitlement. Today we're going to talk about eliminating family drama. How awesome is that? Right before the holidays for you guys. Um, We want to start, though, by welcoming in our online audience. If you are watching at home, in your car, if you're listening um, while you're hiding in your closet at home, uh, we just want to say we're glad you're tuning in. We're glad you're a part of us. We pray that you are reminded all the time that you have a group here in Austin cheering you on. Right, girls? cheering you on. You can do this. We believe in you. Um, Today we do have a guest speaker. Well, I suppose she's not technically a guest. She's one of our very own at Lake Hills Church. She leads a Bible study here. She also um, is one of our small group facilitators. She's been a part of our church for a while. The reason we believe Deborah is absolutely perfect, well, to speak on this topic when it comes to family and especially family during the holidays, is because Deborah is a wife, a mom, a mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law, a grandmother. She pretty much covers all of the roles that we are talking about during family drama series. So what we would love to do, I'd love for you guys to put your hands together and give a big fearless mom welcome to our very own Deborah Meyer. Hey, Deborah, I just realized that Thank I you. told you that I was going to pray mm-hmm. before we... So let's come on out here and I'll pray with you. Okay, okay? and we'll Excellent. go ahead and pray. Okay. God, we thank you so much for today. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our lives through Deborah's heart and Deborah's words. I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you fill this place, that you hover over Deborah, and that you do something only you can do. You take her words and her time that she spent and that you touch every heart listening in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Julie. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be here today because, first of all, I, like Julie, love Christmas and I love holiday celebrations. And I love the fact that she so beautifully told us on Sunday, if you were at Believe, that Jesus is for everyone. And you know, I have to tell you, I believe that with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind, that Jesus is for everyone. And you know what else that means? That means that the season of celebration, the season of joy is for everyone. Every one of us, all of you beautiful moms, all of the moms that are watching, every one of us, Jesus and the season of joy is for everyone. But as you know, sometimes, occasionally, relationships can kind of get crazy sometimes. And sometimes through the holiday time of celebration, sometimes family tension and stress can kind of get maybe sometimes out of control. Maybe you don't know about family drama, but maybe you do. And so that's what I want to do today is just make sure that if there's anything that I can say that God has taught me through my life and through my relationships, if I can say something and use God's wisdom to tell you something and give you some encouragement and empowerment to keep the joy of the season from leaving your life, see, that's what I want to do today. So that's what we're here to do. Now, 
I want to say to y'all, you are moms. All of you are moms. Many of you are wives. Many of you are daughters-in-law. But can I just tell you that statistically, the odds are very great, and I know your heart's pounding now, but the odds are very great that someday you will get to be a mother-in-law. Don't you love that? It's that wonderful sound, mother-in-law. You can call them moms-in-law. Sometimes you call them mothers-in-love, whatever you want to call it. Statistically, you are looking at the opportunity that you may get to be a mom-in-law someday. And can I just tell you, this is training ground right now. You can never start too early. So that's what we're doing today, is kind of starting that training ground. Now let me say this too, because this is all about encouragement. It is possible that some of you may have had some kind of struggles in some of your in-law relationships. It's possible. And I can promise you, that no matter where you find yourself in relationships, no matter where you find yourself, that God always uses every single circumstance that you have found yourself in. He will use it to teach you, to care for you, to prepare you. And I know that because that's happened to me. There's a favorite verse that I want to share with you and remind you of that Julie is really good about instilling in our hearts when we're doing Fearless Mom. And that's Romans 8:28. So I want us to really focus on that for just a second as we begin. And we know that God causes everything. Everybody say everything. 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 He uses everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Julie teaches us that. God tells us that. And we are going to run with that today. Well, let me tell you just a little bit about my family because I think it will help you understand a little bit about me and how I respond to family um, relationships. I was from a family of three people. I was an only child, so I had two parents. And at my Christmas Day table for lunch, usually it was either the three of us or sometimes it would be the four of us, including my grandmother. So that was a little tiny nucleus. So I can tell you that there really wasn't much family drama unless I created it. Well, there wasn't much, and nobody wanted to play, so I no family drama. Well, then when I married my husband, Billy Meyer, when I married him, I went from that small nucleus of three or four to a, what I called a large family of 12 in his immediate family. Now, he was from uh, parents who had divorced and then remarried to wonderful, fabulous people. So there were 12 people in his immediate family. So when I went to Christmas celebration with him, and I would just look out, and they were all ages too, y'all. They were, they were from like three years old up to older than Bill and me, and then the in-laws. I would look at all these people, and I would think, what do you do with them? How do you talk to them all when you're at the lunch table and you're supposed to be friendly? And I mean, how do you do that? Well, I didn't know. And so this big family, this big personality family, all had big opinions, and they expressed themselves all the time. And you guys... They still do, just so you know. Sometimes things don't change. Well, there were so many of them that sometimes on Christmas Eve or Christmas, whenever we were there, I would sneak out of the playroom. Sneak out of the playroom. You get it? Kind of like y'all sneak to the bathroom, get away from your kids. Well, I would sneak out of the playroom, and I would go to their beautiful powder bath they had down the hall, and I would sneak in there because there was a beautiful candle, and it was really quiet, and I would look at all the family pictures that were on the counters. 
and it was so wonderful. And then I'd sneak back in, and nobody knew I was gone, and everybody was talking about something different, and then it was fine. See, I ran away from the confusion and the chaos. I removed myself for just a little bit, and then I settled and then it was all okay. Well, my sister-in-law is a counselor, and so I was chatting with her and telling her, oh, I get to talk to these beautiful moms about relationships and in-law relationships. And I said, and I'm going to tell them about having to go to the powder bath and just get away. And she laughed, and she said, well, Deborah, when our big personality family used to come to my house, you know what I would do? And I said, what? She said, I would go get in my closet. And she said, now, the professional term for that, y'all, is called a designated sanctuary designated sanctuary, and she told me I should tell y'all that you need one of those. During the holidays, if you've got a lot of activity going on in your home or whether wherever you are, pick a place. And I said, well, they already do that. They go to the bathroom to hide from their kids. Well, now in our Christmas celebration, there are like 40-ish people in our family. And one of the favorite things that we do, the holiday traditions like Julie was talking about, we take a picture of all of the in-laws And then we sit and we kind of talk about how fortunate we are that we have so many in-laws so that we can get used to and survive this big personality family. Well, I have to tell you that one of the coolest things about that picture is when I look right here and see who I'm standing by. See, my daughter-in-law, Claire, stands right here beside me. And my son-in-law, Barry, stands right back here because he's taller than me. And you see, we see that we have so much in common because we are the in-laws that have married into this big, huge personality family, and we are so blessed. The things we have in common. Let's remember that term, the things we have in common. Okay, so I've learned a couple of things, and I'm just going to tell you this. When you are tempted to engage in family drama, take a deep breath before you speak. Let's practice. Take a deep breath before you speak. And then if you take two deep breaths... You know what happens? It takes longer, and then somebody else can jump into the family drama before you do, and then you don't do it. And it's amazing that if somebody won't participate in family drama, then you don't have it. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so let's move on. Now, I had a lot to learn. I, had, I made so many mistakes, and as you can tell, three people in a family, I didn't know about family relationships, family dynamics. We really didn't have senses of humor in our family, so I had a whole lot to learn, and I made a whole lot of mistakes. And I want to tell you that what I'm going to tell you today is not because I have it all figured out. What I'm telling you today is based on so many of the mistakes that I made that I don't want you to have to make. But don't worry. If you make mistakes, what do we say about God? He uses it all. And so I want you to remember that. But I really, really, really want to introduce you to one of my family members. Now, I'm not going to introduce you to all 40. Don't worry. But this one woman I want to introduce you to, she was Bill's mom, and everyone called her Boots. Her name was Betty, but she got named, from a grandchild, she got named Boots. And Boots was this this beautiful woman. She was elegant. She was beautiful. She had a sense of humor that literally would fill up her room. And she had the gift of hospitality that would reach into every person's life. If you walked in the room and Boots was in that room, she would reach into your life some way to connect with you. And she also was a fabulous cook. She made all of this fabulous food, and her sons adored her. You can, you know, a mom and a son connected with food. They adored her, and my, my husband adored his mom. Well, she was awesome. Now, 
when we had our first child, he was a boy, our, our, a son named Adam, Bill could only be home five days after Adam was born because he was a professional drag racer. And I know y'all are probably going, what's that? I said the same thing when I started dating him. But he was a professional drag racer and had to go to the biggest event of the year five days after Adam was born. And so my sweet husband, without my knowledge, picked up the phone, as boys do. Mom, could you come stay with Deborah and with Adam while I go to Indy and I'll be back and, you know, it'd be about a week? And, of course, she said yes. And so he told me and I said, you did what? Because I thought I could handle everything because I always thought I could handle everything and I didn't know a clue about what I was supposed to be handling. I was clueless. So my sweet mother-in-law came. She came. She brought... (laughs) She brought all of her bags, I think every one that she owned. And they were full of stuff, because remember, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's got all this stuff, and she spread it out all over my guest room floor, all over. And I know, because when I would go check on Adam in his nursery, I could look over my shoulder, and there was all the stuff. I mean, I was watching. There was all the stuff. And then Boots would come, and she would do all my laundry so that I didn't have to do it. And she did it wrong. And then she would cook all this wonderful food so that I could eat, but it wasn't the kind of food I normally ate. But she did it so I could rest. And then she cooked all this food, and she put it in the freezer so Billy Meyer could eat what she cooked. But it wasn't what I ate. But it didn't matter, because then she took all the dishes, all of the dishes, y'all, all of them. And what'd she do with them? She piled them in the sink. She piled them all in the sink, and they were stacked up to here. And then she would boss me over to the bedroom and say, go take a rest. And then I, she went to take a rest because she was exhausted. I waited till that door shut, and then you know what I did? I put my fussy pants on, my big fussy pants that were really tight because I just had a baby. And I marched myself into that kitchen, and I started washing dishes, and I banged the pans around, and then I put all those dishes up. And then I grumbled a little bit, and I wiped off those crumbs off the counter. And then I marched myself back into the bedroom and slammed the door. We did that for a week. Now, it worked out pretty well because she cooked and I ended up cleaning the kitchen. But what I want to say is that I had a lot to learn. I had a whole lot to learn. Now, you may currently have great relationships in your family, and I hope you do. Remember, relationships change frequently, but you may have some real struggles. Some of you have some real struggles with relationships. Sometimes it's annoyances, kind of like mine was at that moment. Some of it can be very heavy and very grievous. But I want to encourage you of something, the most important position that you will take in any of your relationships is a position of prayer. Praying for the person, praying for your responses, and praying for the relationship. Let me tell you what Philippians tells us um, in the fourth chapter. And you can write the uh, scripture down, but I want you to really keep this in your heart and go back and read it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. See, he is saying he will give you his peace. He will guard your heart. But you take that position of prayer. Take that position of prayer before Thanksgiving or before you're entering into these relationships so that you can let God's peace come over you and come into you. 
what I want to also look at are some things that we know as we really jump in. Things that we know to be true. Number one, we are responsible for our words, actions, and reactions to other people, to other people's drama. We are not controlled by it unless we relinquish control. Now, we've been hearing that in Fearless Mom all semester. So that's etched in your brain. But sometimes when family drama comes in, sometimes we kind of forget. So we want to remember that. The truth is we have absolutely no control over the actions and the reactions of others. You can't fix how other people react and how other people respond. That's not your job. Every relationship is a process and requires time and requires work, but you can only do your part. Sometimes it feels like you're alone and maybe you're the only one doing the right thing or trying to do the work. Every time you do the right thing in a relationship, do you know that you are part of the solution, not part of the problem? We always want to be part of the solution. Exodus 14, 14 tells us that the Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still. So you are never alone. So just remember that as you're stepping into holidays, into relationships, you are never, never alone. We want to set ourselves up to experience a clear conscience and the reduction of stress and tension because we can't control those people that are causing drama, but we can control what we do, and that will reduce your stress and your tension and give us um, a clear conscience as well. Well, you know, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul was speaking to a brand new church in Rome. He was speaking to people that were kind of in a chaotic situation, a chaotic government. Does that sound familiar, that we have a little bit of that stress going on in our world? And he was teaching these new believers for them to leave behind the things of the past, maybe stereotypical things, perhaps, and move forward to what Jesus had for them in the new way that he wanted them to live because of their relationship with Christ. Well, see, what I'm thinking this is saying to me is that we can leave behind all the past stuff in our relationships. We can leave behind stereotypical thoughts about in-laws or about families. I mean, some of our, our families cause drama in our homes. We can leave that behind, and we can take a step towards today and tomorrow and press towards the great things that God has for each one of us. So let's look at Romans 12:14 real quick. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Do you hear that again, taking that position of prayer? Pray for them. Pray for those. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with each other. Now, I want you to hear this last verse very clearly because this is where we're really going to spring in. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. The Amplified Bible says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, y'all, that should be some of the best news that we have all day, is that God is giving us direction to do the best we can do. We can't do anything else to control anybody else, but we can control and do the best we can do. So this is where I think we need to start. This is where I had to start when I was dealing with relationships in my big personality family. I call it the attitude check. Okay, the first question, and these are rhetorical. If you want to answer, you go ahead. I'm not really going to answer the questions, but let's throw them out there. Number one, I need to check the attitude of my heart. What is my motivation, my intention in this relationship? 
Am I working to improve it? Am I looking for the good in people or am I looking for their annoyances? So that's number one. Check the attitude of my heart and my motivation. Number two, I need to check the attitude of my mind. What thoughts am I currently thinking about this person? How do I need to adjust those thoughts? And number three, I need to check the attitude of my mouth. What type of words do I speak to them? And what type of words do I speak about them? You see, I had to do an attitude check when it came to the relationship with my mother-in-law. I can remember that I had to offer an apology. I had to say, sorry, Boots. Sorry that I was really fussy when you came to help me. And you know what she said? Oh, honey, you were just hormonal. (laughs) Well, that's true. I was hormonal, but I was also, the truth is, I was also ungrateful. And I was also being very selfish. But I didn't tell her that part because I really think that she knew that. So today we're going to talk about some work that we can do, which I believe are keys to decreasing and diminishing stress and tension during this fantastic holiday time. Things that we can do in our own lives so that we make sure we're part of the solution and not part of the problem. So these are attitude steps. Number one, work towards choosing an attitude of understanding. I think this is huge because every family has a unique culture, and I call it the interior culture. But see, we're t- Julie was talking about traditions and the families. Well, that's part of it. And then goals and values are part of what unique families have. They have b- family beliefs. They have family humor. That's a big deal. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Experiences from the past Present circumstances, all of these things go on to help identify why families sometimes behave the way they do. And when people have blended families or when we have in-laws and get in-laws, well, we're dealing with all these different family cultures that come in. And even something as simple as humor can be a a very big deal. One thing I, I discovered was that the more I was willing to observe the more I was willing to observe these big families or my big family and the more I was willing to try to understand them and the more I was willing to talk to them and the more I was willing to ask questions and the more I was willing to listen, I discovered that that helped me understand maybe why they acted sometimes the way they did. I would encourage you, don't assume something that you don't know. Don't assume what you don't know. It can be very dangerous. Don't speculate about why a person's behaving the way they are. Don't assume the family drama is about you because the odds are it's really not. If you've got somebody kind of acting up in the family and you feel like it's being directed at you, don't assume that it's about you because the odds are that is not true. James 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, and that's great advice. When it's possible, as much as possible, do the work that we can do in ourselves. And I would say, y'all, listen whenever possible. One thing I learned about my big personality father-in-law was that one of the reasons he was so intense about business, I mean, he was like the epitome of intensity in business. He was from an immigrant family that just really drilled that type of work ethic into his home, and he didn't know any different, and it just... Was um, it kind of blossomed, and it, it took off and it mushroomed, and his intensity was incredible, but he accomplished so many things. But see, I, until I understood that, I did not know why he did some of the things he did and the way he approached life. When we do the work to understand one another, it doesn't excuse any negative behavior, you guys, but we make, when we make the effort to understand, it helps us to work to create relationship and to help 
and uh, against thinking that the hurtful behavior is directed at us. Understanding helps to appreciate the things you have in common. Remember that uh, tradition we have of the in-law picture. And that it also helps us to accept the differences that are inevitably going to be there. The second thing that I think is a tangible thing that, that is a good directive for us is to do our best to build relationships. We should all be having an attitude in our heart and our mind of being relationship builders. As we work towards that with our relatives, and, and this applies to in-laws, it applies to family, it applies to friendships, clear and respectful communication is one of the greatest tools to prevent family drama and build relationships. And y'all all know this. I'm telling you, most of what I'm telling you is what you already know. Be good listeners. Be careful with how you speak. Speak clearly so that everyone is understanding what you're saying. And I think that a lot of that really helps decrease some of the problems and the stress and the tension that sometimes comes up within families. You know, um, I think it was about one year after Bill and I married, I got a phone call, and it was from not my father-in-law, but his interior office. And it kind of had some harsh reprimands for me about the way I was doing some real estate dealings for him. And I just remember I was crushed because he was, it was true and accurate that I was not being very aggressive. But what was not understood was that I had just left MD Anderson with my dad who had been diagnosed with leukemia and so we had a lot going on on our plates. Yes, I needed to do a better job, but in my mind, this, the way we were communicating really wasn't a great way to communicate because it didn't work for me. So I remember, y'all, and this is where I want y'all to, to hear my weaknesses, but I remember standing at the kitchen sink thinking, you know what, this would be some great drama. I need to go tell everybody in my family because he's really hurt my feelings and this is not going to work. And I can just blow this up. This would be so awesome. I didn't think it was awesome, but I was that hurt. But then, and I don't know where it came from other than a God thing because I had no experience in this, but then I thought, no. I have to do something else about this. this is, that's not the way to handle it. So I remember my heart was pounding, and I picked up the phone, and I called his office, and his secretary answered, and then passed the phone off to him. He got on the phone, and my voice was quivering, and I said, Paul, we have to talk. And so then I just explained everything to him. I said, I know I wasn't aggressive, and I'm sorry. I told him everything. And then I said, and Paul, just so you know, I want to find out a way that we can communicate effectively and what works for me, what works for you. We need to negotiate on this because I love your son with all my heart. I love your family with all my heart, and I love you with all my heart. And, y'all, I'm just telling you that was a pivotal point in our relationship because of communication, because of going ahead and making that phone call. Now, I understand that sometimes when you're first married, the child of the family makes the communication work and all of that. I get that. But when you can, when you can communicate with whether it's a father-in-law, mother-in-law, sister-in-law, whoever it is, when you can make that direct communication and go ahead and have courage and be brave and do that, there's really benefit from doing that. That's a biblical principle that we go to that person. We talk about it and we try to build relationship. So we want to think about also the perspective of whoever you're dealing with. Think about, from their perspective, how communication works best. Our daughter-in-law is from a family of five girls, and I'm telling you, they pretty much had a family meeting maybe every day or at least every week because everybody wanted to share and talk and all of that. Our son-in-law is one of these that is very meticulous. He is very um, analytical. 
He processes information. This is so good. I'm so thankful God sent both of these people to our family because then he processes and then he makes the decision. And see, Claire needed a lot of information, a lot of time. Barry needed time to process and then give input. Well, our family was one that was a little bit spontaneous. And so we only talked when we needed to about certain things. We talked all the time, but as far as planning and all of this information. So you can see that our family, our in-law children, brought in a lot of value to our family. And we tried to learn that communication from that point. Couple of communication hazards to watch out for, and you already know this. Number one, digital communication. Don't rely totally on that to think you're building relationships because technology can fail you. The way we phrase things, what we do, you know about all that way more than I do because y'all know all the lingo and all of that. But we had a, a, almost a, a messed up relationship over some technology failures. And so we don't want to do that. We want to be careful. And the other thing, the other caution that I would share with you is that you want to be careful with humor. Until you understand each other and have that basis of understanding, whether it's friendships, whether it's in-laws, whether it's your own family, humor can be wonderful. It, the Bible tells us laughter is healing. It's wonderful, but we have to use it responsibly. I had to learn to understand the language of this big personality family's humor. So I understand what that means. So remember, God is asking us to do only what we can do. We want to work on towards understanding from seeing from life from the perspective of our in-laws or our families or our friends, whatever relationship. And then we want to work towards building relationship, doing the right thing regardless of the other person's behavior. Then I would go to the third area, what I call the work of the attitude, the attitude step. And that is the attitude of unconditional love. Some of you may be a little uncomfortable when I throw that term out because right now if there's some person in your mind that you are really struggling with, you may be thinking, I don't feel love. Well, and you know what, that's okay because love is not a feeling. Dr. Um, Gary Chapman, and I know all of you are familiar with the love language books. They're wonderful. He reminds us that love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a choice, and it's one that we make daily. So what we want to do is to understand that we need to position ourselves to offer unconditional love. Now, let me tell you what that unconditional love looked like in our big personality family. See, there was this big tent. It was huge because we had so many people in it. And anyone that was in the family was under that big tent. So what, what we committed, what I committed to do when I married Bill, I mean, I really did make this intention, intentional decision that anybody under that big tent, I would offer the choice that I would love and the decision that I would unconditionally love them. Now, that doesn't mean that I accepted all their behavior. It doesn't mean that things were hunky-dory. It didn't mean any of that. But see, it's that attitude, that attitude of my heart that would offer the fact that I'm, I'm going to do life with you. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like, the choice we make daily. Remember, roles change and responsibility changes. Y'all know this. When you marry, do you leave and cleave and you, you do that? And we, as your parents, are supposed to help empower you and equip you to do that. That's our job. You leave and cleave and you work towards doing that. Well, you know, the other part is that we want to understand that moms have been, that would be y'all, you know, this is training ground, you have been momming for two decades, possibly, or more, you know, and having that primary role of responsibility. 
And then suddenly things change, so your roles change. And so we offer unconditional love as we understand that change in the roles. Um, the other thing that I think we have to understand, too, is that the Bible tells us that we are to honor and respect our, family, our parents. See, that doesn't mean that you still obey your parents or submit to your parents. It doesn't mean all of that. It just means that you, because of their role, because of their position in your life, then God tells us that we are to honor and respect. That means that when you can, if there's wisdom they have, that you receive that. That means that you ask them for advice. That means that you are careful to be um, respectful and um, honoring them as people, them as the roles of parents. That should be good news for us, especially as we prepare to someday be mothers-in-law. Um, I think that also something else you might consider is that it's really wonderful and fun when you write notes to try to tell maybe an in-law of how much you appreciate and all of that. So you might consider doing that over the holidays, expressing gratitude for the roles of these people in your life that um, you might want to consider. When you intentionally make a choice and that commitment to offer that unconditional love, y'all, that motivates you so that you are willing to do the work to understand. You are willing to do the work to build relationships. The other thing I think we want to really look at, too, and I'll, I'm moving kind of quickly through this, but healthy boundaries. This is what I think is really important for you as moms. Be comfortable. Be confident, knowing that when you need to, and you most always when you're creating a new family, healthy boundaries are extremely important. Healthy boundaries that you set in place for you and your family, and then you very lovingly, you very politely express these healthy boundaries to the parents, and the parents may even do some healthy boundaries too, lovingly, uh, and communicate that as well. I remember the day that I got a phone call from my son after about a year after he and Claire married, and we were on the phone talking, and he, he was out of town, so he would call and kind of talk. Well, we were talking away, and it was such a fun conversation, talking with my grown-up son who was married, and then all of a sudden, he said, Mom, Mom, Claire's, Claire's beeping in. I need to go. Click. Okay, so that was a new role for me, a new boundary for me. And Adam absolutely did the right thing. He absolutely elevated the priority of his wife. And he took that phone call. And y'all, and I was so excited and I was so sad because my role as mom had changed. You know, I call these the shappy tears because they're sad and they're happy and you're so good with it. And yet, it's a change. It's a change and you feel it. So... Be careful as you're navigating these roads. The greatest job, uh, the greatest gift that we as moms and in-laws can, can give, I believe, at Christmas is telling our grown-up children that, hey, you're released. You're released to do holidays as you need to. And then the greatest gift children can give to their parents when they are adult kids is saying, hey, we're going to negotiate and we're going to make this work because we love and we honor and we respect you and it's all going to be okay. So those are things that you want to handle with care and consideration when we deal with holidays. Okay, the other thing I want to address too, because it's in this room, we want to address extreme relationships. There are those relationships that disrupt our homes if we do not set clear boundaries. And I think all of you know what I'm talking about. Very extreme relationships where we need extra help, we need extra guidance, we need counsel, we need perhaps firmer boundaries. And you guys, that's where, get, get some professional help. 
set boundaries and don't feel guilty about it. Because if you're looking out for your family, but then you have that unconditional love and you're looking out for even those people that are causing some of the problems, it's okay. And you, you call in the resources and you be, make healthy decisions so that you can reduce the stress and reduce the tension that would come out of those relationships if they were not managed in a godly, healthy way. Ephesians 4.2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I think that we remember that and we always, always, always keep that position of prayer that we talked about in the very beginning. The last thing that I think we want to talk about in the last um, decision that we make with our attitudes is that we commit to do life together. We commit to experience life together. As people experience life, and this is important, I mean, you've made that commitment with your family, with your children, you're going to do life. Um, I had that commitment with my mother-in-law, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But we, we just agree that we're going to do life together. That's part of unconditional love. Well, there are two important life lessons that I want to bring up before we finish up today. You know, I love watching my grandchildren collect things. All the little girls, and y'all know this especially if you have girls, but they have bags of things and they have purses and they just collect, kind of like their moms do, right? We collect everything for our purses and our bags. Well, my grandson, there's one grandson in our family, Samuel. Samuel collects rocks. And so he gets buckets and he gets little boxes and he just puts rocks in. And when he sees the gravel, he thinks those are baby rocks. And so he puts baby rocks in there because those are, those are baby rocks and he loves rocks. And then he'll get a bucket and he'll start dragging it, just dragging it. And he'll say, heavy, heavy. Y'all, your kids do that, I'm sure. Or they did when they were little. And it's so cute. But... Of course, here I am, I think, you know what? That is a reflection of what we do sometimes with offenses. We start collecting offenses as we do life with people and experience with people. You know, something offends us, hurts our feelings maybe, or is just an annoyance, and so what do we do? Sometimes we just pick it up, and we put it in our bag, and we think, well, I'm I'm kind of the victim. This is going to make me feel good for a minute because I feel wounded and then maybe I'll feel validated. And then something else happens and we pick it up and we put it in our pocket. And then something else and we put it in our pocket and now we need a bucket to start carrying the offenses around. Collecting offenses, you guys, is divisive. It is heavy. We can form a habit of collecting offenses when somebody just throws something out at us. And it's maybe not even directed at us, but we catch it and we put it in our bucket and we put it in our pocket. It weighs us down. It takes our time, our energy, our focus away from the good things in our life and from our blessings. It robs us of our joy when we collect offenses. That could rob us of Christmas joy if we're not careful in case we're having to have some offenses that are coming our way through the Christmas holidays. I know because I've done this in the past, and I don't want you to make those same mistakes. This is often the cause of family drama. So I'm just going to tell you today, dump the bucket. Dump the bucket. If you're carrying an offense somebody has just thrown at you and you have caught it, or it could have landed in your lap because it really did hurt, just dump the bucket. You don't have time for this. Because I promise you, it will build up and it will cause family drama. It will rob you of joy that, remember, Jesus wants you to have complete and full joy. 
so dump the bucket. When a real hurt has occurred, though, and we really need to step into forgiveness, this is a very, very personal thing for me, and so I really am going to share this with you, and I hope and pray that it will land in your heart and in your mind in case there's forgiveness or an unforgiveness issue that you deal with. I came out of a family that had a serious problem with unforgiveness. My parents had a serious problem. They, they gathered offenses, they gathered each other's faults, and then there was a chasm so deep and wide in their home, and it lasted for so many years, and it was the saddest thing. I was fortunate, though, because it, before my dad's death, he and my mom kind of forgave each other, and so that was good. But all of that time, it was really sad that it was wasted because they could have had so much joy in their life, but they chose to not forgive each other. But I will tell you once, I've said it already, and I'll tell you again, God used every single one of those events in my life dealing with that unforgiveness to make me understand that there is a high cost when we do not forgive. Now, what I want you to, to understand, and this is so important, sometimes when we think about forgiveness, we think that we are just giving in. That's, that's not the case. When you choose to forgive, you walk in freedom. You walk without that heavy load and that heavy burden. You're not improving of the misdeed or that terrible thing that was done to you or that of the offense that the arrow shot and landed in your heart. You're not approving of it. You're just setting it down. You're dumping the bucket so you don't have to carry that anymore. See, God didn't intend for you to carry it. You know what, what God intends for you to do? He wants you to take that bucket and he wants you to dump it at the foot of the cross because that's why he came he came to give you salvation, but he also cares about how you live in this life. He doesn't want you burdened. And so we need to do that. Colossians 4.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, anyone, you guys, anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you forgive one another. It's a beautiful principle, and it gives you so much freedom. And then suddenly family drama doesn't look so icky because you don't, have to, you don't have to go there. And if we don't go there, then you know what? Family drama won't happen if nobody's going there. It's so, I love that idea. Let's take that idea. Some of you have 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter read at your weddings. Love is patient and kind and keeps no record of wrongdoing. You know, I think we can do that. When we forgive, you dump the bucket, and then you wipe the slate clean, and you start all over. I love that. Well, I want to tell you this last thing is that I'm so thankful by the grace of God that I did not let petty annoyances or even real hurts and grievances damage uh, the relationship that I had with my in-laws and with some friends and with my own family. I did not allow that to happen. Again, like I said, it was by the grace of God, and I'm so thankful. I want to finish the story about my mother-in-law real quick. You know, I told you a lot about my mother-in-law. She was so beautiful, and she was so amazing, and she was um, just so much fun. But she was also my greatest cheerleader, and she also became one of my dearest, dearest friends. She also was the best grandmother to the, our children, and I used to laugh because this beautiful woman with all this 
twist, French twist hair. She was always perfectly dressed. When I would pick her up, pick our children up from her after uh, she would keep them for a week, her hair would be literally sticking out of her French twist. And she would just be a mess. Well, now I know why, because now when I keep our grandchildren, I sleep in my clothes, and I'm not even going to tell you what I look like in the morning. But you see, I learned to be a grandmother from her. I learned to be a grandmother from watching what she did, from watching our children's reactions, and I learned something very important. The other thing that she did, she was a source of connection because she would still cook Thanksgiving food, and we would all pile in the kitchen. Christy remembers this, and it was one of her favorite memories, but we would pile in the kitchen, cook up a storm, and then we would clean after the meal, and y'all, crumbs were everywhere. Pumpkin pie was spread all over the place, all over the kids, all over the floor, and you know what? It didn't matter. Messy and wonderful. It was so fabulous, and I learned that valuable lesson from her. And then when my mom, who had been bedridden for 20 years because of an illness, passed away, you know who showed up? Boots. My mother-in-law, Boots, showed up to cook for us and to love us. And then when Boots got sick and had cancer, she came to live with us so that we could cook for her and we could care for her and we could walk with her as far as we could and then leave her with Jesus. That is the beauty of making that commitment to do life together. It's messy, (laughs) and we are not infallible. And I'm telling you, I was a mess. I had to learn so many lessons because I was selfish. I was self-centered. But you know what? We we all kind of get there sometimes. Doing life together is incredible. Because that's what we're called to do in life. We're all messy. Our daughter and son-in-law, a year after, a year and a half after they married, made the same commitment to Barry's mom to walk with her as far as they could. And I'm just going to tell you, y'all, it, it brings tears to our heart, but it brings joy and meaning and promise and hope And love when we set down the bucket, when we dump it, and we choose to do life together. Remember, boundaries are essential, and it's we still have challenging relationships. Sometimes it doesn't always work out the way we want it to, but God's always faithful. He's always faithful, and he's going to take us from that point to the next one. Always, I promise, because he's done it with me. I know it. So, today... We're going to work to keep that position of prayer. We're going to keep that position of prayer. We're going to do our best to live at peace with everyone. We're going to do our best to work to understand. We're going to do our best to build relationship when we can, boundaries set up. Remember, we can only do what we can do. And we're going to do our best to experience life together. God asks us to do our part. As we close, y'all, I'm I'm just going to read this prayer to you because it has helped me so many times in my life, and I, more than anything, want y'all to understand that your biblical obedience, when you do things God's way, it always, always produces blessing. Not a thing is wasted in your life, and you choose that avenue of biblical obedience, and I promise you, God blesses and attaches that to you. So pray with me. Dear Lord, as we move forward 
in our relationships over this wonderful holiday time, not wanting anyone, anyone to miss the joy of the season. Help us, Lord, to not look back at what others have said or done. Help us, Lord, to not look forward to what someone might say or do. But, Lord, help us today to look up and to fix our eyes on you. And then we let the peace that comes from you rule in our hearts today, Lord God. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.